What's up? This is AOK Radio signing on your mostly weekly pop culture podcast. <laughs> I might actually start saying that because I try to do these weekly, but you know, life. So this has been a crazy time for uh, Marvel fans, especially in the what if side of things. So we finally have the what if season one finale. And you know what that means, friends. It is time for the finale talk. Oh, yeah. So it is time to ponder the question. What if one last time, at least until season two drops, which after this finale, I am super excited for. So Loki's getting a season two. WandaVision is getting a spinoff, which I believe is going to uh, star Agatha, which should be interesting. I'd imagine it's probably going to be a prequel unless they decide to continue the storyline of her making it out of Wanda's uh, little, what's it called, little brainwashing thing. I mean, either way, it might even end with her coming out of it. So either way, I'm excited because Agatha, to me, is kind of like... She's definitely an antagonist, but she's not really a villain, per se. So I'm very excited to see... Or maybe a fallen. She could have been a hero, but she's more so a fallen. I don't know. I'll just say she was antagonist this time, and who knows where she could lead from here. But I'm very excited, and I, I love the actor who plays her. Very phenomenal. It was Agatha all the time. <laughs> Such a catchy song. But anyway, um... Going back into this awesomeness, like I said before, it is a good time to be a Marvel fan. Uh, I know this is random, but can Disney just buy the rights to Final Space and, and make it a part of the Marvel Universe? I'm still hurting over that cancellation of that show, man. And the alternative timelines in that show remind me of what if. So it's like, dude, just just get it. Just just shut up and take our money. Just buy I don't, I don't even care if I have to donate some money to get uh, to get Final Space on there. But yeah, I just had to throw it out there, especially in the midst of me just recently doing an episode dedicating to oh, an, a, an episode dedicated to Olin Rogers and Final Space. It's just a phenomenal show. But anyway, let's get back to the deliciousness of uh, what if an interesting anthology. As interesting as an anthology would have been, I should say, I'm super glad they made all these stories connect in the end, for the most part. And in a way, they were pretty much an anthology until Ultron was like, nah, nah, I need all these stories. They're mine. And I'm curious, though, how some of these stories continue. I mean, we'll get to that in a in a little bit here, honestly, a little, a little bit more in depth of what I mean. In depth of what I mean. So my previous confusion from the Party Thor episode had been answered. I don't remember if I addressed that uh, before in a previous episode, but I was very confused about some of the timing because Ultron just appears randomly at the end of the episode, and <laughs> Watchers are just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it was just hilarious, like. He's like, and they lived happily ever after. Wait, what? <laughs> and, you know, clearly he was actually very surprised to see Ultron, the Ultron bots coming through the portal. And now it makes sense because after seeing that, it prompts him to track down the origins of this multiversal crap storm. So, yeah. 
But it's interesting because that kind of confirms that the Party Thor storyline was happening at the same time as Ultron's victory and takeover and crossing over into different dimensions. It's just interesting to see how the timeline works with all of these different um, universes. So um, kicking off with the beginning of the end, let's briefly talk about the Party Thor episode. And I guess that sentence kind of contradicts itself, but I'm okay with that. I love how we get this wild and just overall happy episode after the heavy hitting zombie episode. And of course, the takeover episode of Killmonger. I laughed during this episode. I'd say the most out of them all. And not sure if I'm missing something, but is Loki the reason Thor has a beard? Like them, him being an adopted brother? Is that is that one of the reasons? Like, why is Thor randomly clean shaven in this universe? I mean, it doesn't bother me or anything. I'm just, it's just kind of funny. It's like, so, such a random thing. But, you know, just seeing Thor literally turn Vegas into Party Central, where we literally have Loki and his fellow Frost Giants and practically most of the intergalactic side of the MCU attends. It's great. It's just so awesome. And of course... S.H.I.E.L.D. has to rain on their parade. I mean, maybe it's because they weren't invited? Ah, couldn't be. But I love seeing the side of Thor and seeing Loki rocking his frost giant heritage fully. That was a sight to see. Um, and it was something I always wondered because it's clear that he takes on the look of an Asgardian, even after knowing he's a frost giant. You know, we see him turn blue I think just twice. He turns blue in, oh, well, pre-Endgame. Um, of course, we see him turn blue again in the Loki show. Well, I, I guess, no, not really. We see a, we see a variant of him showing his uh, Frost Giant heritage. But he kind of does this, like, hybrid look. So I kind of always wondered, you know, for, since Frost Giants look so different, I, I kind of always wondered... What would Loki really look like? I always, I always wondered before this episode, what would Loki look like if he just took on his full frost giant heritage? And that was great to see because in the Loki show, we just see him blue and uh, and Thor, we just see him blue. And then when he gets choked out by Thanos and Infinity War, he just turns blue. So it's, it's kind of weird. Um, I never really understood that fully when you think about how the Frost Giants all look and everything. But, hey, I'm not really picky. It's Tom Hiddleston. He rocks it as Loki, so I can't complain regardless. But this was great. I love this uh, variant of Loki. He's really he's really happy-go-lucky. He just seems so much happier because he doesn't have... He doesn't have to live in the shadow of Loki. Or, <laughs> yes, the shadow of himself. He doesn't have to live in the shadow of Thor or have these um, issues, these these rivalries of wanting to be accepted and all these things that have haunted him as the th uh, son of uh, Odin. So that was refreshing uh, to see a, a Loki that isn't suffering. Um, but of course, fortunately, we finally get a Loki that, I mean, yeah, he's still suffering, but he's doing a lot better these days than, you know, our... our um, Original Loki, R.I.P. Ooh, my neck is still hurting from watching that scene. Anyway, too soon? Too soon. All right. Um, so going back to this, we saw a snippet of... Actually, no, that's that's what I just talked about. I'm going through my outline a little sloppily. I apologize. Oh, yes, Howard the Duck. <laughs> 
Howard the Duck is always fun, especially seeing him actually marrying Darcy Lewis. Now, we hadn't seen Darcy Lewis for a while. Like We saw her back in, I think, just Thor 1, and I think maybe during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. And then finally we see her again uh, during WandaVision. And I don't know if she was in between any other shows or any other movies for that matter, but it was great to, you know, have her become a kind of a more, more of an, more than just a supporting character. I think in WandaVision, she, she, she took a, well, where, where did that stutter come from? That was weird. I just love the, the role she kind of took in WandaVision and I hope we see more of her in the future. And Hey, I mean, now that Howard, the duck is becoming more prominent in the MCU, who knows, what we may see between these two. <laughs> I mean, they got married in this universe. Who's to say they won't get married in the main MCU? <laughs> but yeah, Seth Green as um, How the Duck is great. I'm glad that they keep bringing him back because he started voicing How the Duck back in the, what is it? The the previous, I believe the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. And then they, I think he voiced him in a game as well or something like that. And then they brought him back for the MCU. So And of course now, what if, so phenomenal always love Seth Green and I feel like him marrying Darcy Lewis is some kind of reference to his OG live action movie back in the day but I don't know I haven't actually seen it just snippets here and there uh Thor and Captain Marvel's fight was excellent it felt like a little loony like a, almost like Looney Tunish with them being knocked from country to across the ocean and whatnot. What with you seeing the names of each country? <laughs> like it, it was just very funny that they bothered to include that little snippet. Um, and just, just the fact that they're literally knocking each other that far. It was like almost watching an episode of DBZ, which is so great. You know, only minus the, you know, whole episode of them screaming to power up. Um, but anyway, I love DBZ, but man, so much screaming. Anyway, uh, I mean, it can be fun. It can be very extreme, very like full of rush, full of adrenaline. But over after a while, it's like okay, you, you could you could stop the screaming now. <laughs> like after after a good five seconds, it's like okay, okay, we're good, we're good. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, a Super Saiyan three power up back in the day. Ooh, but that had the same issue too. That was, yeah. But that that final that final like transformation screen. I'm getting off topic, but man, that that was just one of the best transformations. Anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. But I mean, there's so much I could talk about with that episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you watched it, you know how awesome that episode was. Definitely top tier. Um, so of course, following up with that end. Leading into the semi-final episode of What If Ultron 1, where Ultron managed to take control of Vision's body and nuke the planet, Terminator 3 style. Or I guess that was always the the thing ever since Terminator 1. That's how the whole, that's where the whole time traveling thing eventually led up to. So anyway, uh, Vision hasn't had too many times to shine in the MCU, to be honest. So he only really had... The end of Age of Ultron, uh, a sliver of Civil War, and then we had to wait until, actually, wait a minute, then we had to wait until WandaVision for him to shine a little bit more, but that was more so at the end, too, um, but it was great to see 
I mean, it's always just great to see Vision, but he's really that type of character that if he really, when he really gets his chance to shine, oh, you best believe he's like one of the heaviest hitters on the Avengers team. And yeah, <laughs> but I mean, of course, him going up against Wanda, it's like, oh, man, he <laughs> he does not get a chance to shine when he's up against Wanda. It's almost unfair at that point. <laughs> but Wanda, you know, she's just so powerful. Can you really blame him? But hey, you know, it shows that Vision just lacks strong ladies. Hey, can you blame him, though? All right. So every time. Because every time, too, we saw Vision in Infinity War, like where a lot of us kind of expected him to shine. He was either getting stabbed by that one black hand guy. I forgot his name or, well, gee, I don't know, dying. Um, and then when we get to see him in What If, he's pretty much a role reversal. Like I said in the, pre, uh, in the zombie episode, it was a complete role reversal of what we saw in WandaVision, where it's uh, Vision who goes crazy over protecting Wanda, who is not really Wanda anymore. She's just a zombie. And it's crazy to think that if if the Infinity Stone and the Vision was more powerful, he could if he could have found some kind of amplifier, he could have actually saved Wanda. And if she could have been saved, dude, can you imagine how easily the tables could have been turned in the Zombieverse? I mean, it still would have been tricky because, I mean, Thanos has most of the gems, but either way... And like I said, it's zombie Thanos at first, but it's not the same. So I think they still would have had a pretty good upper hand. But me personally, I'm still like, Vision, you idiot. You shouldn't have killed yourself. You could have you could have found a way to save him. Because in my head, I'm just like, dude, if you just stuck it out to get the rest of the gems, like, you could have just, you could have saved her. You could, yeah, you just, why did you have to kill yourself? Ah, oh, you idiot. Anyway. Ah. I still love that episode, but man, Vision was stupid in that episode. <laughs> oh, if he just, uh, all right, whatever. We talked about that enough in the last episode. So it's safe to say that there was a big reason for this because Vision would have just thrown hands with Thanos. He just, oh, don't even get me started. Seriously, if Vision and or Wanda were there with Tony, Doctor Strange and them on Titan, shoot. Wanda, like, for instance, like I said before, Wanda has always been throwing hands with people and she's usually the one coming up on top. So it's like literally she's getting she's been getting she's been getting stronger every time we see her and seeing as she almost took Thanos down herself in Endgame. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, even though this was technically Ultron and Vision's body, if Vision wanted to. This could have been him accomplishing the same things, honestly. I feel like there wouldn't have been too much difference between the two. And as far as like what they could accomplish, if Vision really wanted to do certain things and wasn't like being stabbed (laughs) repeatedly um, or getting the gem ripped out of his head or getting slammed through the ground like he uh, like Wanda did. But anyway, to be fair and... I don't know. I don't know. Nukes or not. Hulk, I don't think would have been. I don't think he would have gotten clapped by this. I feel like he would have survived. But to be fair, I don't know if. I don't know if honestly, if this Hulk. I'm kind of on the fence because maybe this Hulk couldn't 
have because he isn't he's clearly not as strong as his comic counterpart and in the comics he has survived instances like this but i don't know i mean it's just like anything could happen but i don't want to be that guy was like oh yeah of course he could survive just because he's this i don't want to be like that but I, i don't know i just feel like hulk should have survived that but i don't know if he was there i don't remember seeing him when vision took down the avengers but i mean the scene did happen half fast i'd only remember seeing i only remember seeing um thor and his hammer and then of course iron man saying you don't have to do this but maybe they did show him i just don't remember like of course they probably just showed him as bruce banner but which if bruce banner was there i get it because you know if if hulk is if hulk is down and he went to bruce banner then it's like yeah he's not gonna be okay to to save him so anyway but I also have the same thing with Wakanda. I feel like Wakanda would have been, they would have been since something was off. Like their senses would have picked up. Oh crap, are those nukes? Oh, those are nukes. They're everywhere. And I feel like they would have just shot down the nukes that were close enough to them and just be done with it. I mean, yes, the, the planet would have been definitely decimated regardless. Like the atmosphere would have been messed up and radiated from all the nukes. But I mean, it's Bacana. They have a shield and everything. And I, I know the shield is limited, but I don't know. I just, but hey, it's, well, let me just say this. Come on. Wakanda forever. But hey, it's a what if episode. It's meant to be just what if. And I, I do like how, I forget, who, I forget who it was. It was one of the, either like one of the hit writers or something. But they commented on how easily Thanos got clapped by by um, Vision, and I love the way he answered it. Um, uh, basically simplifying it, he just said, "You know, it's infinite realities. So of course there are going to be realities where Thanos clapped Vision or Ultron, but of course with infinite realities, there's going to be realities where Thanos just wasn't prepared and he gets clapped himself. But of course." Yeah, I just it makes sense, of course. You, you got to lend yourself to the you got to take it with a grain of salt. We're going to see a lot of different things that we may not like, but we have to come to agree that everything and everything, anything and everything is going to happen in this type of universe. So, I like that multiverse, excuse me. And yeah, so Thanos, I'm going to go back to this again, uh, just to kind of just go hand with my uh, notes so I don't miss anything. I've listened to a handful of podcasts, mostly agreeing with how this scene makes sense, um, how Vision body Thanos with five Infinity Stones, because if Thanos had known who he was up against, it probably would have been a no brainer that Thanos would have put up a better fight and probably would have won. But just like with Stormbreaker from Thor, he was caught off guard and it happened so fast. But geez, that laser was like a knife through butter, my dude. Let's be glad that crap didn't happen when Vision shot Rhodey down in Civil War. Oh, that would have been I, I cannot begin to imagine what the repercussions would have been if that happened to Rhodey, if he got just cut in half. I mean, sheesh. Ugh. But anyway, I've heard some people comment on how they should have, how how people think they should have killed off Rhodey due to showing 
um, due to wanting to show a deeper consequence for the Civil War. But I mean, nah. If you connect the pieces, the consequences we get from that movie, there, there's plenty um, of themselves. You know, what we got from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, the relationship differences that happened there, um, the fact that they were unprepared for Thanos and Infinity War. You know, everyone was divided and Hulk was like, seriously, what, what happened while I was gone? You know, that type of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's huge when you think about it. Like, I, I feel that death doesn't always have to be the 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 best way to show oh this is the consequence no i mean but in a way it, it you did people did get their deaths i mean it's called the snap or the the big what do they call it i don't like the word i don't like what they call it the big uh wow i'm not, uh, i have notes this time and i still forgot what it's called whatever i just i just call it the snap but i know they call it something else in the in the MCU, it's like the big poof or something stupid. Like I mean, it's not stupid. I just don't like the word. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, Rhodey is the one who took physically the most L's in Civil War. I mean, the dude practically had to go through uh, therapy to be able to walk again. I'm surprised he even survived that because, I mean, that was a huge fall and he was basically in a big metal coffin from that height. But I'm glad they didn't kill. I'm really glad they didn't kill Rhodey. I mean, it's freaking Don Cheadle. Don't kill off Don Cheadle, man. So, and to be fair, he wasn't the only one who took the most else uh, physically, technically, I mean, because T'Challa's dad. Oof. You know, we did get some deaths in Civil War, so there you go. So, yeah, Hawkeye with a robot arm. Yes. I mean, man, he should have been had this or maybe an, even an exoskeleton because, you know, with that robot arm, he's able to be able to have just faster draw. And then I'm not saying he necessarily needed it because Hawkeye's a beast, but like that's a good edge to have. But, oh man, it, it was painful seeing Hawkeye like this through the through the the episode just the one who is barely clinging on to hope uh, you know a, a much darker version of how he was in endgame because in endgame at least he wasn't at least there were still people around i mean yeah he still lost his family but at least it wasn't a complete doom where like the whole universe was pretty much wiped out like how ultron did at least here it was only half so it's still bad but it's not that bad compared to that and it was it's, it was cool seeing Black Widow being the one mainly cracking jokes to help keep their spirits and sanity up. And it didn't seem it, it felt natural because that's a natural thing for people. I mean, look at how the zombie episode was. Everyone was trying to crack jokes and you, you got to find some way to keep your sanity in these types of crazy scenarios. Right. So the references that they made to the Black Widow movie I really appreciated and I'm glad that I caught them because I have unfortunately haven't seen it yet um, but now that it's hitting Disney Plus soon I think it actually already has I'll be able to catch it up stinking COVID but anyway um, the Red Guardian Shield I'm so glad they included that that was great to see and Zola making his return bruh I'm glad, though. Uh, getting him into an Ultron century in hopes of him taking control of Ultron. Now, that's that's a desperate move, but so desperate 
it just might work. And it being in the place where Tony, Steve, and Bucky fought, oof, what a callback. Makes me think, like, was Zola just chilling and watching while this fight went down? Probably, you know, just eating digital digital popcorn or something. <laughs> that, that, that would be a sight to see. Like, imagine if that was an end credit scene. Like, they flash back to that fight, and instead, while you just hear all the punches and the repulsors going off in the background, you just see Zola flicker on for a, a couple seconds eating popcorn. And he's just like, <laughs> just like this really goofy laugh. Oh, that would have been that would have been amazing. But anyway, uh, the Watcher's comedy has always been funny. I obviously the Watcher has, to, for me, he has the best dialogue in the whole show. I mean, literally, it's right there when Hawkeye is literally sitting under the box that they need to stop Ultron. And he just keeps saying, it's it's right there. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell the Watcher was mere seconds from materializing himself, smacking Hawkeye for giving up right there, and, well, probably disappearing after pulling the box down, really realizing he just broke his oath <laughs> again. But I guess technically he hasn't broken the oath just yet. But he, I, I love how each episode kind of brings him closer and closer to doing so. And that's what makes me really like The Watcher um, more. As uh, By the time the finale came out, I'm like, dude, I love The Watcher now. I need to see every appearance he's ever had now. It's like, this is so cool. But I'm sure this is still going to be my favorite version of him because Jeffrey Wright just did such a wonderful job voicing him and brought such a good livelihood to him. Um, so the role reversal of Hawkeye and Window, uh, Window, what in the world, of Widow, that that line, I'm tired of fighting, as Hawkeye lets go of her hand and with one final sacrifice blows up as many Ultron drones as he can. <sighs> it was really hard seeing Hawkeye like that, but it, it kind of makes sense because he, look at what these characters went through. And at the same time, he realizes that this type of sacrifice was probably needed, most likely needed so they could get away. And he's like, well, if it had to be someone, might as well be me because I don't have the morale to really make it through this. Well, honestly, you probably will like, cause he knows black widow. So I, I like how they handled that. And that's why I don't, that's why I'm not like mad at what Hawkeye did. I get it. And, at first, I was like, oh, really? You're going to go out like that? But then I realized it makes sense. He just made a power move, a, a sacrifice that went well with his, you know, lack of morality that he obviously of, of uh, what, what's the right word that he understandably doesn't have anymore after everything he's lost. So, but hey, he went out like a boss. And um, excuse me. So. One thing I got to address, because I haven't heard anyone talk about this yet. So people keep saying Tony has died every time we have seen him. Well, that is true, but hasn't Hawkeye as well? Granted, I think we've only seen him twice, right? So we saw him in What If Earth Lost his Might, Their Mightiest Heroes, where all the OG Avengers died except for Cap. And then... Then he dies in this um, episode. And I think that's all we ever saw of him. Oh, nope, 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 nope. He was in the zombies one, but he died there too. Just like all the other OG Avengers, except Black Panther. 
I count Black Panther as an OG Avenger because it's like Civil War is still close enough to. Yeah, I, I would count everyone up until like Civil War, like Ant-Man, Spider-Man. I mean, technically Spider-Man wasn't really Avenger until Infinity War, but hey, he fought on the team. Even if even though all the characters were divided during Civil War, I think everyone who fought in Civil War is an Avenger at this point because they were all on a, a side, you know. So, yeah, I think everyone during Civil War was an OG Avenger. Even Bucky, even though he was like, uh, what am I doing here? I'm brainwashed. What's going on? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Man, I really feel uh, really feel sorry for Bucky. But hey, um, he finally, he's finally, finally getting a chance to live a life thanks to Steve. So there you go. All right. So yeah, who else? Because yeah, I think that's it. Because everyone else, because we've only seen Falcon, I think once. And he's, yeah, because I think a couple, I think we've only seen Happy. Like, no, we, we saw Happy and Killmonger. In the Killmonger episode, and he but he died in the zombie one. We've only seen Spider Man once, I think, which is really weird, by the way. Really weird how we haven't seen Spider Man a lot in this um, thing. But yeah, I, if I remember correctly, it's Hawkeye and yeah, it's Hawkeye and, and Iron Man. If I if I remember correctly, like they're the ones who have died the most because we have Thor who's. We have Party Thor who's around. I think we've only seen Thor twice as far as different versions of Thor. And I'm not going to count Doctor Strange's universe because literally everybody died. And we didn't see them. But of course, obviously, the, that, that Doctor Strange world is very similar to our own. The only difference was Doctor Strange destroyed everybody. So that's a thing. And by the way, can can you imagine what it must have been? Just being on another world, like imagine the Guardians of the Galaxy doing the thing, and it's like, okay, why is everyone turning inky? Or even imagine Thanos just like, all right, I'll do it myself. Wait, what? <laughs> just like, whoa. So anyway, um, yeah, at least, at least we have Hawkeye still alive in the main line for now. So there's that at least. Um, but of course. We cannot go without talking about how the Watcher was throwing hands to Ultron. That was just so great. I mean, I was really hoping that Ultron wasn't going to be the type to be like, "Oh no, you're fighting me." I oh, I, I'm I'm only a Watcher. Nope, nope. My man, my man got two hands, and yeah, he knew how to use them. <laughs> so. So far, only about two beings have felt the presence of the Watcher. Doctor Strange Supreme, or Supreme Strange, whatever. And of course, Ultron, once he had all the Infinity Stones. The funniest thing about this is how Ultron mentions how he senses him. But dude just keeps narrating like nothing's wrong. <laughs> it's like, really, dude? Why are you still talking? Of co- I, do you, I know you love the, the sound of your voice. I mean, you're... you're it's, it's Jeffrey Wright's voice. How can you not enjoy that voice? But it's like, come on. You gotta know he senses you. <laughs> but whatever. Um, the way the dimensions structure is, just like glass structures, walls of the multiverse, so simple yet clean. It's nice. I love the way to design that. 
And it's so cool that once he realizes that Ultron sees him, he tries to close off the view a few times. But Ultron is like, yo, there's so much more out there. I guess my work ain't done yet. I have a whole multiverse to attend to. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Does not compute. Calm down, buddy. But no. Yeah, that that didn't work out. So. That's kind of crazy, though, like it all because of his programming. He took his programming a little too literally. <laughs> oh, Iron Man, you, Tony, you, you meant well, but you just. Whoo, man. Ultron, I just it could have been so much worse in the MCU, but fortunately, Vision was there to save the day. But Vision Vision's body is what made things worse in that in that universe. That just seeing the the way he just made all of these crazy uh, drones of himself and just went on a rampage, you know, hitting Asgard, you know, the big heavy hitters first, then going to all the other planets, and it's just like, wow, this was just insane. But it makes sense, and it, you know that I felt like okay, this is a true Age of Ultron. This is the Ultron. We've been waiting to see. And. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So also when Captain Marvel attacked Ultron, I love that reference to Terminator she made, by the way. But I thought it was Nova because wasn't it on the planet uh, where the Nova Corps is located? I think I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, But man, if only could you imagine if they that, I think people would have been kind of mad. Like, they would have been hyped for a bit, but they would have been like, man, that was kind of a random debut for a character we haven't, you know, known anything about yet. And I think a lot of casual watchers would have been like, okay, who's this guy? And why does he, why, why haven't we seen him before? <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure we'll get, I'm sure we'll get Nova soon. I'm I'm kind of surprised we'd even, I'm very surprised we didn't get him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because, you know, the Nova Corps, like, I'm surprised he wasn't at least included in, like, if he was at least included in that final fight on on uh, the Nova Corps planet, I would have been happy. But, ah, uh, well, it's whatever. But I guess if they did that, he would have inevitably died. But, I mean, I'm sure there's been multiple Novas anyway in the comics, so they could have just had, like, a, a regular guy, then someone else in, in uh, someone else, uh, uh what's it called? inherits the the home in it, which I think is what gives him the power. I'm not really too familiar with the Nova character, but either way. All right, so uh, where do we leave off here? Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. All right, so I just love how he just says, you cannot compute the power of my will. And he just, the Watcher just dawns. I keep saying the Watcher. I know he has an actual name, but I don't remember what it is. I, or... I don't remember how to pronounce it. It's like Zozatu or something like that, but I, I'm just going to call him the Watcher for now. Um, I believe when he dons his armor, I believe it is a callback to armor he's had in the comics, which, I mean, of course. But, bruh, he's blocking moves. He's bobbing. He's weaving. My man went from being the Watcher to the Warrior. Let's go. But, of course, it couldn't last in his favor. You know, a punch here, a punch there, and each one landing them in a new mult in a new uh, universe. And I don't know how big Ultron made his head biting into a whole galaxy like that, 
all those suns and black holes and other random things that he bit into, I don't care how big this dude made his head, those teeth are non-existent after all of that, dude. I, I don't care. Do you know how hot those suns are? And do you know how freaking big those suns get? Like, our sun is huge. There are suns that dwarf it like a million fold. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And don't even get me started on the black holes. Like, no, I, I got to admit, that would have been phenomenal to see. Like, he bites into it. And then you, next time we see him fighting with Ultron, he, or next time we see him fighting the Watcher, he just has no teeth. <laughs> like, he tries to talk, and all you see is gums. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but either way, um, that was great. That that scene where he just literally just bites the galaxy, the, the universe. And that was frighteningly cool. Frighting, fright, frighteningly. There we go. Frighteningly cool. And I've heard people making it or referencing it, referencing it to being a nod to Galactus, which makes sense. I mean, he doesn't necessarily eat things like that, literally. But I mean. It's still cool, and I believe he did. I believe he had a finisher like that in the Marvel vs. Capcom three. Like I think he literally bites into the planet, into Earth, or something like that. I think he does that in the Lego game too. Uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes, I think one, something like that. Um. So yeah, uh, we could see Ultron sadly was getting the upper hand on the Watcher, but he put up a good fight. And if it was just Ultron with it, without the stones, oh man, I think this would have been a different story. I think it would have been definitely more even. Um, But at the same time, like, he still would have had the Mind Stone, and that laser is something to be reckoned with. But anyway, um, I still think, like, it, it definitely would have taken a... a it would have been hard to beat Vis- uh, Ultron, but I think I think the Watcher could have could have gotten him. Um, so fortunately, before Vision, I keep saying Vision, but before Ultron could land the finishing blow, the Watcher had to retreat. But to who? None other than the previously abandoned Doctor Strange Supreme. Now I have mentioned this before, where I appreciate how this Doctor Strange is necessarily not is is, is he isn't necessarily evil. Just desperate. I mean, the title was, what if he didn't lose his hands, but instead lost his heart? And, you know, being desperate uh, because of losing his love and wants to make sure she can survive. Can you really blame the extent he was willing to go? So, yeah. And I can't stress this enough how when it came down to his universe ending due to his arrogance... Him spending literally hundreds of years absorbing other beings when he realizes he can't save anyone. Oh, wait, I said that wrong. After him uh, spending hundreds of years absorbing other, absorbing other beings, after having this amount of power, and then realizing after all of this he can't save anyone in, uh, when the universe is collapsing on itself, what does he do? He pleads to the Watcher to punish him, not the world, not Christine. But the Watcher states one of his most famous phrases. I cannot intervene. I mean, he says it in a much cooler way, but, you know, I, I'm not a god and neither are you. You were warned, you know, it's just like, oh, 
ah, oh, so cold. And um, I do love like I, I, Wong is so cool. I, I'm 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 mad that he wasn't used too much in the what if show. Um, I'm I kind of I'm kind of a little I'm kind of a little salty. He became a zombie in the zombie verse, but. Cause I feel like if he was on the if he was on the living team, oh man, he would have wrecked house. Uh but yeah, I mean, to make it a little bit more suspenseful, of course they had to take out most of the heavy hitters. So but I'm I'm still a little confused how Doctor Strange and Wong got like infected so soon, but it's whatever. I mean, they're not they're still imperfect. They're still humans, you know, they're gonna make mistakes and obviously we see Doctor Strange making some big mistakes and uh, the new Spider-Man movie, so yeah. Um, but anyway, I I, I got to mention that because I don't think I talked about that in the previous episode. Uh, Wong's dialogue with with the um, good alternate Doctor Strange, I just like how calm Wong is. Just like oh, okay, um, yeah. So we're gonna do. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna do this? It, I I wish I could remember the dialogue. But I just like how Wong how calm he is, and he has a good voice. I can appreciate good voices with with characters. But yeah, I'm glad Wong is becoming more, more used in the MCU. I was, I was really, I'm really glad to see that. And I forgot he died in Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange had to literally use the Eye of Agamotto to save him. That's crazy. I, I'm glad he didn't die in the first movie, but hopefully he stays alive because I know Mordu is coming back with a vengeance eventually. So, yeah. And whatever else we're going to be dealing with in the next uh, couple movies. So, but yeah, I mean, it's understandable that after all of this, you know, after being in isolation and him, you know, literally the episode ends with Doctor Strange saying, I'm so sorry. And going through literally losing everyone. And of course, uh, Christine being the, the one that hurt the most. And at the top of it, Christine being afraid of what Doctor Strange became, seeing who he became to do all of this, and then her last words asking him, what did you do? And then, of course, the whole fact weighing upon him that Doctor Strange is literally responsible for trillions of lives. You know, it's not really addressed, um, and it's not really addressed a lot, but yes. Like, I haven't heard this really in, in any of the podcasts, but... Literally, Doctor Strange, Supreme, he is responsible for the death of trillions of people. His whole universe is gone. And they're not coming back, at least not to our um not to our thoughts, unless he comes back and tries to do something. Um, which I think he will, but we'll talk about that a little later. But I'm really glad that he came back and who, who does, who does the watcher seek out? You know, he seeks out Dr. Strange Supreme and he wants him to say a certain phrase. The watcher's like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I see now and I need your help. That's <laughs> so great. And I just love how smug he is when he, when he's asking, like, yep, yep. I need you to say it <laughs> now leading to the finale. It didn't necessarily feel rushed to me, but I feel like pushing it to like an hour would have been fun. Uh, mainly just to see more of the heroes return to the world at the end, just to see more of that. But honestly, by the end of the episode, I, I felt at the end of 
um, like I felt, I felt the same like I felt at the end of the Doctor Strange Supreme debut episode. I felt like he is going to become a problem for our heroes. I, I feel like eventually he may become a problem. And even in this final finale, I felt like, uh, I feel like this may bite bite our heroes in the butt having him on here because he's uh he, he's he he's a very he, he uh, to put it lightly he he has some baggage he has some baggage you can see it in his eyes he has some dark he has some dark eyes those are some those are some really filled up baggages luggage there we go but yeah either way um and also we did see that he seems to not have full control of his powers like he he seems pretty in control for the most part but we do see him struggle at some points to, con- to contain a beast or two within him and sadly i think that may be his downfall his descent into madness and on top of the fact he is the only hero who didn't get a happy ending only more sacrifice part of me is like couldn't he have made a doppelganger of himself to chill there and you know he gets to go to a multiverse where where christine is still happy or something you know because she can't be an absolute point in every multiverse right because she's still alive in the main mcu timeline it may just be an absolute point in his universe but who knows for sure and i'm not saying his doppelganger has to stay there i'm just saying you know they can switch back and forth you know okay you you watch you watch these you watch these hooligans monday through you know wednesday and i come through thursday through sunday or something i don't know something stupid like that i don't know i just feel like this is definitely something we will see in multiverse of madness i feel like this story is going to continue I, f- I really feel like we haven't seen the end of doctor strange supreme at least well yeah i, I feel like it's just too big of a thing to leave alone um, so the Watcher gathers a few select um, out of their own respective homes to help save the multiverse. So we see uh, Carter around the Winter Soldier time, uh, which makes me think the reveal at the end with Steve being alive inside the uh, Hydra Stomper armor might mean he was maybe used as such a um, as possibly a Winter Soldier type deal instead of Bucky. But who knows for sure? Maybe Bucky was still captured. I don't know. Um, but we have Thor, who is fighting the drones, which was such a great reaction, <laughs> um, especially when the when the Watcher is trying to recruit him. Like, hey, uh, shh, calm down, <laughs> while the Watcher is actually trying to, you know, tell the uh, Thor, like, hey, I- I'm trying to talk to you, but you're busy monologuing while fighting. Understandably, because I mean, dude, you- you're trying to tell an Asgardian Thor at that to calm down when he's in a fight, you know. It's not going to happen. You, you got to intervene. And that was too funny. Like the best part when he just decides to lift Thor into the sky and he's just screaming the whole time. Like, ah! I can't even scream. Like my voice just, ugh, my, my throat is dry. I should have grabbed my water before. Uh, actually, I have water right here. I was thinking of my Gatorade, but I'm going to take a real sip real quick. I don't know why I forgot my water's right there. But anyway, oh man, Chris Hemsworth could not have done a better scream. That was perfection. Like, I'm so glad um, 
he was one of the many to reprise his role. Because that scream was too good. I wonder if that was like one take or did he do a couple different screams? I don't know, but I he just has a great sense of humor. Most of the MCU guys just and gals just have great senses senses of humors, including the writers and everyone else. So at that point, too, we then see T'Challa, who is saving Peter Quill from ego as he is trying to take over everywhere like he did in Guardians 2, uh, Volume 2, which is interesting because we see instead of ego trying to take over from, you know, home base, the, the actual planet, he actually starts his invasion on Earth while he's um, using Peter as, as pretty much the catalyst, which is just like, whoa. It was really crazy to see it that way because, I mean, yeah, we expected him to do that. I mean, that was the end game for, for him and Quill, but I didn't expect Ego to just start the craziness there. I mean... Hey, buddy, how's it going? All right, now, uh, it's going to sting for a couple hundred years or whatever the crap he said. But it was, I remember he said, like, either a couple hundred or a couple thousand. I'm like, you heartless mother, mother biscuit. Yeah, it's just so crazy. But, wow, um, I wonder if he will get to use his powers like he could there, too. I, I don't, I don't think they're going to continue that storyline. I think that's pretty much it there, but, um... It's it's kind of a bummer that Peter like loses his powers when Ego's dead. It's kind of a shame. Um, I kind of would have loved to see him keep those powers because I'm pretty sure Quill had powers like that in the comics, and then they rewrote them to be more like how he is in the movies. But eh, it was, it's still a good movie, even if it was like a one time thing having those powers. But I hope one day he gets a chance to like reawaken some dormant powers he still keeps to keep. Because it's like, dude, it's it's a part of your genes. Like, you're literally part celestial. You should be able to keep those powers, you know? I really don't... I, that's the, that's one of the few things I didn't like about uh, Guardians 2. I th- and like I said, that was one of the few things. I loved Guardians 2, but that was one of the things I didn't like. So, but anyway. Oh, yeah. So, Killmonger... We go to him, who was about to get clapped by Su- uh, Suvi. Is it Suvi? Oh, man, I really I really hope it's Suvi. But, yeah, her, Pepper, and the others, the other uh, soldiers who were accompanying them. And, man, ooh, wait. <coughs> oh, man, I was trying to hold that in. Excuse me. Um, I was really hyped to see that because after that end, because I know a lot of people were like, oh, man, these episodes are ending before it really gets good, and you know, fortunately, we get more con- conclusions for a lot of these. And man, that was going to be a great. I like. I was I, as soon as they ended it with Suvi figuring out. Oh, so Killmonger is not the guy we thought he was. And you know, coming to Pepper, like, all right, we we got some work to do. But to be fair, I'm pretty sure Killmonger would have probably clapped at least Pepper and a couple of the other guys, the random soldiers. Now, don't get me wrong, Pepper can throw down, but out of the group, I would say she was probably the least experienced, but yo, that gun she had, dude, Tony chose the right gal, and of course, that's the type of gun you would get whenever someone murders your lover, you know, (laughs) who wouldn't get a gun that big, (laughs) so anyway, um, it's just like, dude, anyway, let us rejoice, 
because there is actually a universe where Tony survives post-Thanos and Gamora. And Tony is even rocking his Hulkbuster armor, but he has it like a cigar, uh, I almost said cigar, uh, a cigar looking design on it, like almost like Hulk didn't go to that planet and said maybe it was him, like in uh, Ragnarok. And I, I'm pretty sure it's a car. I'm pretty sure that's the name of that planet. But um, whatever the planet was, they went in, in Ragnarok. But it makes me think, did Tony end up? I really think Tony must have ended up on Sakaar instead of Hulk. But for that matter, where's everyone else? Did everyone else die? Is is, is there anyone else? Or or as, uh, as Drax would say, why is everyone else anyway? But the way Tony is talking, like having an armor of suits around the world... The galaxy, this quote is so good because he then goes on to say, you can't tell me there isn't another big bad, uh, big bad around, another monster under the bed, which is totally something uh, Tony Stark would say. Man, let's be honest, he couldn't be more right because we got Kang, we got whoever the baddie is in, inter- in uh, Eternals, Shang-Chi's baddie, which of course, you know, Shang-Chi was able to handle, but you know, the list goes on, there's always another baddie, and Obviously, we're going to have more to come, but yeah, I, I really like the way he thinks, but it makes me wonder, like, what kind of armors would he have outside? Because obviously, Tony, the best thing about him is he learns after each encounter, and his suit is always upgraded. Like, one of the best things I saw that someone pointed out from Infinity War, his armor from Infinity War to Endgame was, remember the shield he had when he was fighting Thanos? When he pulled up that shield when Thanos was unleashing the power of the stones on him in that big, like, Kamehameha blast, that uh, shield pretty much drained a lot of his suit, which um, unfortunately left him wide open to get stabbed by Thanos. So then when you see him use another shield in Endgame, it's like a hologram. Not, 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 not necessarily a hologram, but it's one of those... I forget what kind of technology it is, but I always liked that attention to detail because that's exactly who Tony is. That's why he has so many suits because he's always thinking of how to improve them next. It's like your basic technology. Technology is always improving. And that is something that I always admired about his character. So then we get to Watcher who's like, (laughs) I just love how he's like, not you, Tony, Gamora, killer of Thanos. You have been chosen. (laughs) And I mean, hey, let's be fair. Tony can't seem not to die. So it's probably good the Watcher didn't bring him along because I'm pretty sure he's aware of this pattern too. I mean, I'm certain at this point, Tony could slip on a banana peel at this point and die. He he just he just can't escape it. And I know some people actually brought up the fact that he might be an absolute point himself of it's like assured that he, for the most part, just always seems to die for some reason. But who knows? It's clear that absolute points do vary per universe. So I don't really, I don't necessarily believe that him dying is, is an absolute point. I'm sure it was for the main MCU timeline, but I don't think it is for the other ones. But uh, so after everyone's recruited, they're all brought to a pub that Doctor Strange put together to kind of ease them, make them feel uh, a little warm and welcomed. And I like that it's inspired by. Um, Carter's kind of um, MO and even 
it has a little portrait of Steve there for her. And that was just a really nice little touch. And of course, Strange uh, summons some drinks and the Watcher appears updating them all on why they're here. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. And mind you, this whole time I'm like, okay, Killmonger's here. He's going to do something, either him or Strange, maybe them both. I'm calling it now. These guys are the ones that are probably going to mess something up. And also, I got to mention, I love how Thor tries to leave and almost ends up getting sucked into like this magic black hole. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was I just love how Thor is the running gag. Um, The interactions between these guys were really good. Um, It was very short, but it was very enjoyable. And especially the one where Gamora notices, especially how Killmonger is messing with a drone head of Ultron. And for some reason, no one else is questioning. Uh, I was kind of confused about that. And when Thor approaches Gamora, she asks him, do you trust him? And, you know, she's basically just testing her waters. Um, Thor just so innocently goes, I trust everyone. Uh, Thor, you're so lovably naive compared to the Thor we're all used to. <laughs> Not to say the Thor we're all used to isn't. I mean, he's still my favorite, but yeah. And also the magic armor Strange uses that he gives them is all dope. And of course, while they all go to an isolated world, not on Ultron's uh, watch list, of course, it's Thor who draws them <laughs> who draws him there by accident right after saying how he does tend to draw in unwanted attention or something along those lines. I mean, he literally gets excited, fires some lightning (laughs) out of his hammer or summons lightning to his hammer. And Ultron's like, oh, there you are. (laughs) Like, dude, that was fast. Infinity Stones are not like, geez. So um, the fight that came from this was really fun. And it was reminiscent of the fight our heroes had first against uh, first hand against Thanos in Infinity War, and I actually thought the Infinity Stone Crusher had him. I really did until I saw how much time was left in the episode. <laughs> and I like, oh, here comes a plot twist. Um, I knew some people were complaining a bit why the Watcher didn't, for some reason, update Widow about his plan or maybe include more people on the fight. Um, I mean, she obviously needed to be a part of this plan because i mean they they eventually came to her and i mean she's an extra hand and dude zola but i mean i honestly would argue it was for the element of surprise and i mean i'm sure that the watcher was banking on widow and hawkeye i mean he was on he was honestly banking on them finding zola so it would be weird if he kind of just decided to forget about them after, you know, successfully getting to Zola and still being alive. So I imagine that it was definitely an element of surprise. He probably didn't include her. So just in case, um, knowing that she would eventually come into play and then it would be something that uh, Ultron wouldn't anticipate because it's like, oh, wait, who are you? So and that's exactly what happened. So that was really cool to see. And let's see, I lost my place with the outline. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, yeah. So I kind of view it almost like how Doctor Strange viewed all the different scenarios in Infinity War, how it was only one scenario where they won. I think this was like another kind of nod to that. 
that the watcher knew how it had to play out a certain way for them to win. Or at least that's what I hope probably happened. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of how Gamora's Infinity Crusher can only work on the Infinity Stones of her universe. But I mean, because I mean, it's like, dude, their Infinity Stones are going to have the same properties regardless of where you go. But I appreciate the twist. I really do. And I'm glad it didn't end that way. I really am. Because I mean, that was cool. It was very cool how they all had him chained up and how, you know, the the magic was all just like keeping him down and everything. It was it was really great. But um, you know, it's kinda like, oh, round one goes to us. <laughs> um and you know what? That swarm of Mjolnir, yeah, yeah, Mjolnir hammers reminded me of. And I, I bring these comparisons up for the fact that they seem like fun callbacks when Doctor Strange made duplicates of himself against Thanos. But those hammers all slamming on Ultron offer Thor to finish the attack with a burst of lightning. Yes, that's a Smash Brothers finisher right there. If Thor was ever in it, oh, yes, please. So that was, I mean, that was just so fun. It's just great to see the type of things, the type of shenanigans you can get uh, in a fight when you're fighting alongside strange it's like dude what can't you do <laughs> so it was remarkable to see how well these guys worked so well together too that was the great thing about it and i think that's another reason why vision or ultron wow why the watcher i mean chose these specific people because he was probably like you know out of all the other people i could have chosen these set folks are going to be the only ones who work the best together so that's what I would say, too, in that um, argument of why he chose these people and not like everyone he could have gotten his hands on. But of course, it makes more sense, too, because these are all the people that could have been used in the um, episodes we saw, because it would have been a little weird if he just brought in people we haven't really versions of people we haven't seen yet, although that would have been cool. But one sad thing that I just realized he didn't bring in Spider-Man from the Zombieverse. And I can understand why he wouldn't bring in uh, T'Challa or um, Ant-Man. What is his name? I keep wanting to say Hank Pym, but it's not. Scott Lang. There we go. Scott Lang. I get why he didn't bring them in because, you know, they're they're handicapped at this point. But it's like, dude, you didn't bring in Spider-Man. So it makes me think because uh, spider-man of course he's going to be a team player but it's like if you didn't think because out of all the episodes we watched he brought in every he brought in one person from each of those episodes except the zombie verse if i'm counting correctly oh wait no he didn't bring anyone from the he didn't bring anyone in from the other universe where all the avengers died but to be fair all of them died um except cap and um cap marvel but whatever so two episodes but that just makes me think that that makes me think even more so that dude i think i think the zombie verse really is all doomed i really think they probably are dead if they didn't come in like i, I can't believe i just now thought about that that's that bums me out that bums me out because that whole episode was about hope you know about having hope and uh well anyway so the struggle to get to the Mind Stone was giving me goosebumps. How literally the Mind Stone was just bouncing back and forth and they're all just like boom, 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 boom. Just uh, just like a well-oiled machine just 
tackling this guy just back and forth like they weren't giving him a, a chance to think at all and when he used the time stone you just see everyone like oh no <laughs> basically i thought oh crap so at this point i'm thinking okay maybe this is the point where he brings in spider-man like he's gonna come in like underoo style when you know tony called him in civil war and he's gonna whip the stone out of his hand i was really hoping for that i, th I knew something was gonna happen unfortunately we didn't get spider-man still but what do we get instead we got strange using the eye of agamotto the time stone himself his time stone to cancel out the effect so he could grab the stone yes let's go also Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Can't say that's a battle cry I've ever heard before. <laughs> Ultron has some extra sass in this episode, and I love it. I mean, and yeah, like going back to the zombie thing, it was cool that we did get the zombie callback in this episode. Like literally, <laughs> he just opens up the floodgates and there's just this huge horde. <laughs> uh, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed it was so short lived. But just seeing that horde just dogpile on top of uh, Ultron was just so wild and satisfying. And imagine if the power from this version of Ultron was enough to break the zombie hold it had on Wanda and she ended up joining the fight as one of the good guys. Like, that would have been so cool. I would have been all for, like, the, the second she gets there, he tries to use the Mind Stone to, like, blast them off her and then she's like oh, i'm free oh oh you're not vision Ooh. okay no no you're done like that would have been pretty cool but ah well i mean uh, could have would have should have and honestly let's be fair infinite possibilities that probably happened somewhere else anyway yeah it's it's, it's um, I don't know. I feel like that would have been kind of cool. Maybe it's too hopeful, but hey, I can't keep, I can't not keep going back to this. Was that the right negative? I can't help but to go back to that. There we go. That's what that zombie episode was all about. Hope. Having hope. So one other strange thing about this inclusion. So we see Wanda and the Horde, but of course Wanda was the main uh, focal point of that Horde. Where was Hulk? Like, last we saw Hulk, she was, he. I mean, they were both fighting each other, right? He was the main diversion to um, get them away. But actually, I think she managed to, wait a minute. I might be misremembering that episode, but I, I thought he'd he caused enough diversion for them to get away. But maybe, yeah, that had to have been right. Because if, if not, she would have pulled them in. Because I know she had grabbed them at one point, but that's when Hulk was able to come in and, and knock around a little bit. But of course, you know, Wanda versus a whole horde. Yeah. And plus, like I said, this Hulk definitely isn't as strong as the comic com uh, comic counterpart. So who knows what he really he could have accomplished. But and I don't think Hulk is impervious to the zombie uh, bites because he I mean, why would he be? Um, if Thanos can turn, which I would argue Thanos and Hulk probably have the same amount of tough skin, the same type of level, 
if he can turn, it's most it's most certain that Hulk probably turned too. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm certain Hulk probably did turn and then just went elsewhere to find food. But while Wanda is no longer a thing to worry about, I mean that that universe still has a zombie Thanos and probably now of a zombie Hulk. And I mean. At the same time, we still have Thor, Rocket, and Groot who are, you know, obviously on their route to Earth to help take out Thanos. But, and of course, they probably don't even know about the whole zombie thing. Um, I don't know. I feel like they're inevitable. I feel like by the time they get there, they would have probably gotten there in time to save Spider-Man and company, maybe. Or at least, at least maybe Spider-Man. But... I'm honestly very surprised we didn't see a double whammy of Thanos and Wanda against Ultron. But, I mean, one gauntlet is bad enough. Two gauntlets both worn by the baddies? Yeah, not worth the risk. But, man, that would have been a cool thing to see. But, um, I mean, like I said, uh, if a zombie Thanos with a gauntlet, that's that's beyond scary. Honestly, I would argue that's scarier than than uh, Vision because I said Vision again because at least with Ultron it would be a quick, swift death for the most part. With Thanos, it's like no, he's gonna feed, you know. So I'd rather have my odds with uh, you know Ultron. But yeah, so they finally pull off firing Hawkeye's arrow with uh, Zola into Ultron. And not only do we end up getting the Killmonger betrayal that I saw coming, well, most saw coming, I'm sure, it was foreshadowed decently enough to come, or excuse me, I said that wrong. It was foreshadowed decently decently enough. I mean, come on, it's Killmonger. He's always thinking ahead. And of course, he had that, um, he had that head with him. So, yeah. And... He dons his own infinity armor and strikes that boss pose with the open arms. I'm like, yo, that was cool. And I do like that despite how ruthless and heartless um, Killmonger can often be, especially when it comes to people getting in his way. He did think of other people after this. He didn't just like he, he states how he can fix another sneeze is coming one second okay i think i'm good i think i'm good i paused and i'm back wait wait okay i'm good Ooh, i hit the mic my bad so ooh, lost my thought uh where do we leave off so he states how he can fix everyone's world and how the watcher probably wouldn't be as that uh be as as nice as that oh killmonger if you only knew but let's be honest, because of what Killmonger did in his universe, he was probably never going to get a happy ending like everyone else did. Let's be honest. He, I can't blame him for doing what he did because he probably knew that after this, he was not going to be getting out of this uh, scot-free. So, But hey, he, he had he had some justice coming his way. And we, we all knew it, whether it was going to be from Suvi and Pepper or from dealing with the watcher so there you go but man that was a good scene i really did enjoy that and it was only when they oppose him that they that he resorts to fighting them that he 
he was actually going to, you know, be nice to them all, like realize that, hey, you know, we, we're all a team. And I, I feel like Killmonger means well. He just doesn't always do well. And he realizes that to get what he truly wants, what he really feels like the world needs to be, he has to take down, you know, it's like chess. He has to take down certain players to achieve what he feels to be the true best world possible. So I get that. But is he doing it the right way? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. Um, but I, I like that he's not true. He's not. He's not completely a villain. He's more so definitely an antagonist, but he's not heartless. At least not completely heartless. So I I, I like that. I, I appreciate about that. I appreciate that about Killmonger. I should say. And it is nice that whenever T'Challa calls him, it's always cousin. Give us back the stones, cousin. I, that's a horrible impression. I love I love Chadwick Boseman's uh, T'Challa voice. It's so great, and it's it's a nice family touch, you know. But of course, Killmonger had to go and mess it up, saying, "I ain't your cousin, bruh." Yeah, you are. Different universe, timeline, whatever. Y'all still share the same blood, man. Come on. And I hope we see a timeline some someday where we finally see them as a happy family. But it's whatever. But boom, here enters Zola, rocking the torso appearance similar to the comics. But with how it looks on Vision, wow, this is my favorite version of Zola yet. Of course, we knew Zola was not going to become a hero either. He had his own plans. We we, we all knew this from the get go. It, it was it, it was definitely a major risk, you know, um, Widow and Hawkeye even talked about this themselves, but hey, what other, what other thing that they have? They just had to figure it out as they went. But of course, now we have the perfect power struggle, the perfect power struggle. There we go. The two are literally force pulling the stones between them as Dr. Strange then realizes they were never meant to win in simply overpowering Ultron, but instead to separate the stones from the user. So he then encloses the two in a type of prison he himself was put in, and the battle has been won. With these two kind of frozen in that power struggle state, which is kind of crazy. But um, notice how the Watcher broke his oath, but didn't flat out help with this fight like he he only intervened in bringing them together and then bringing them back to their respective domains with a little bit of um happiness you know a little, a little bit of sugar coating but you know the good type of the good type of sugar coating um bringing them back to the moment they left and of course wherever people had like bad things happen he kind of helped him a little mainly widow like everyone else kind of went back to um I mean, most of the people went back to good timelines. No one, no one really had bad issues enough. Like, I, excluding Strange, Killmonger, and um, and Widow, everyone else kind of like had decent timelines to go back to. But I mean, technically, um, te I, I do like how, um, I do like how Carter wanted to actually go to. I'm trying to remember if she wanted to just go back in time to go to her Steve or if she wanted to go to a universe where 
I'm pretty sure she just wanted to go back in time to Steve. I think that's what it was. Because why would you go back to... Why would you go to another timeline to a different Steve, you know? So it was cool that she kind of wished to go back. But it, it, I do appreciate the Watcher was like, I, I get it. I get it. But hey, that world needs a Captain Carter. And, you know, as a, a true hero does, she realizes, like Spider-Man believes with great power comes great responsibility. So she goes back and of course we find out that, Hey, she gets to reunite with her Steve after all. And that was, that was phenomenal. I loved that. So, um, let me see here. What else do we got here? What else do we got? What else do we got? I lost my thought. I lost my place. I should say, because that was something I didn't write in the outline, and I wanted to make sure I uh, included that here. But, yeah, that, that was interesting how he didn't include himself in the fight at all. He just moved the pieces and allowed them to do most of the work. So that was actually really cool. And with Black Widow, I like how, you know, she clearly is like, I have nowhere really to go the, the place i like my my home is gone there's nothing really left there i i'd be going back to a place where i'm literally the only living um human left really like even most of the other places we've seen in the mcu are gone so it's like why why would i want to go back to that and she goes on to say i'm not leaving this place even if that means you know i'm alone like i'm not going back there and I do like how the watcher, I forget exactly what the watcher says, but he's just like, you know, I I, I never really said I was going to send you back there. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to send you to a home, not your original home, but it's going to be a home that I think you'll really like. And it was actually really cool. That, I appreciated this callback, too, because he gives her a gift for her heroism and brings her to a new world that actually lost their widow. And honestly, I mean, obviously a lot more than that. They lost the whole Avenger team, mostly the Avenger team. But where is she taken? I think I already said this, but before she is taken to the universe where Earth lost its mightiest heroes, excluding, of course, Cap and Captain Marvel. And at first, I was a little confused because I forgot about that episode <laughs> until I saw it was only Captain America and, and Marvel. And then when I saw Loki trying to take over uh, Nick Fury, I was like, wait, what? what it, wait, what universe is this? And then I realized, oh, yeah, that episode ended with him calling Marvel and then, you know, seeing the cap shield, you know, waking him, waking him up. And I was like, oh, yeah, they were going to fight Loki and them. Oh, snap, this is going to be crazy. But, of course, with both Cap and Marvel on your team, I don't think Loki's going to stand a chance. But then again, he has an Asgardian army with him. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how it's going to, if they're ever going to go back to that story. But I'm really curious to see how it would turn out. Because, as we saw, um. Widow kicked the crap out of out of Loki, and actually ended up turning the, uh, turning the his own staff on him. So he uh, is like completely under her control now. So I think that actually may end up turning out for the better. But it was cool that Nick Fury was already like, "You're not my widow, but 
I'm glad to see that you are a widow and it looks like you're here to help. So that was pretty cool. And it was great to see that as soon as widow sees it, you know, she's brought to this battlefield and she's like, yeah, this feels like home. <laughs> classic, uh, classic thing for her to say, but I can't help but to feel this world is going to have a darker re repercussion because, you know, Odin, he, he may end up being like, well, I guess it's back to going to my old conqueror days. Uh, yeah, so Midgard's going to be on that list. Guess I'm going to have to join the fight myself. So, oof. But hey, um, at least she gets a second chance, and she was more than happy to join the fight. And at least it's not going up against Ultron. At the very least, they just get to live under Asgardian rule, which, hey, rather have that than extinction, right? Unless, um, but I mean... At least they know that it wasn't, um, at least we know that Thor wasn't, well, I'll leave it at that actually, yeah. Oh man, my mind just like blanked on me, because I was going to say originally, I'm going to go back to it actually, I was going to say that Thor, they, they finally were able to reveal to Loki that Thor was killed by a madman, you know, um, Hank Pym went mad, unfortunately, and Loki got to get, you know, get justice for him killing Thor. So Odin doesn't really have to worry about that. But at the same time, it's like it's Odin. I feel like, oh, it was a human. All Midgard must pay. So it's like, yeah, I can see that happening. But whatever. Next up, we have T'Challa and Peter who are firing off blasters into probably in the ego's face with goofy smiles on their faces. And safe to say after they after they inevitably beat ego, because, of course, T'Challa is definitely the better Star Lord. Um, it's it's safe to say Peter will be joining the Ravager, Ravagers family after this, because, of course, it's Peter. I, I would it's safe to say he would definitely decide to go to space as opposed to working at Dairy Queen. <laughs> Um, and of course we find out about Carter finding Steve and the Hydra Stomper armor, like I talked about repeatedly before, but I don't remember anything notable with Gamora. Like, I don't think, I don't remember them referencing anything with Gamora when she goes back to her domain, but rumor has it that there was supposed to be a Gamora episode, but didn't make it to the cut. To, it didn't make it to that season due to COVID, but I mean, who knows? It's hard to really say. I guess they probably figured that may have been one of the episodes that didn't have uh, a deep enough connection that out of all of them, that was the one that could have been okay being cut and maybe be included in the, in the next season. Who knows? But it just seemed odd, though, that out of all the characters, she was the only one who didn't get her own episode. You know, everyone else did but her. I don't know. Um, we finally get Thor going back to Jane. Uh, Suvi, Pepper, Happy. I'll get to breathe easy. Not uh, not now that Killmonger's gone. For now. <laughs> but I'm sure they're always going to wonder, like, okay, where did this dude go? He literally just disappeared. But hey, at least he's gone. Um, and of course, it saddens me that this is Chadwick Boseman's last performance as T'Challa ever, um, due to his passing, but hey, 
he got to play two really dope versions of T'Challa and live through two in-game scenarios because this is definitely an in-game-like scenario. And I just, booyah, that's a win. So really, the only two worlds that didn't really get a happy-esque ending by the end of it was the zombie verse because I can't say this enough. We just don't know how it continued, excluding Wanda being clapped. Uh, Widow's original verse. Um, I mean, that technically got a happier ending because at least there's hope since Captain Marvel's there, Nick Fury, the majority of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though Hydra's still going to be a thing, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that universe is going to have some dark times ahead, but at least they don't have to worry about Ultron since, you know, um, Tony's not there to do anything. But I am curious, though, because, I mean, there's still going to be Thanos coming eventually, but at least they still have Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. They'll come into the ranks eventually. Um, I don't know about... Um, Scott Lang, I mean, since Hank Pym's not really there to bring Scott into the family, I guess he's never really going to become a thing. So, I don't know. I think there's still hope for the for that universe, but whatever. So, I'm not really going to count that as I've, I, a world that didn't get a happy um, ending. And, of course, like, I, uh, like we keep saying, too, Doctor Strange's verse, since it's completely gone, and... Uh, the Watcher made it clear that there's really nothing he can do about that. Because um, we don't really know the full extent of the Watcher's powers, but I'm pretty sure he probably can't reverse anything like that. It's clear that he can pause a multiverse. It's clear he can pause the multiverse or like have some type of time manipulation when he brings people out of it. Or maybe that's what just happens when you take someone out of a multiverse. I don't know. Or at least when the Watcher does it. Who really knows how that works? But I will kind of end it with this, um, with the with these closing statements here. I don't count Killmonger's verse because, I mean, he is getting justice, so to speak. So they pretty much got a happy ending as as much as they could now that Killmonger's out of the picture. Um, but part of me still, I still feel for Doctor Strange that even if the doppelganger thing couldn't work, I mean, geez, couldn't y'all take some shifts, you know, work out a pact where Strange doesn't have to solely watch over Zola and Killmonger? I mean, dude, your name is literally the Watcher. Cut my man some slack. He did most of the heavy hits in that fight against Ultron. I'd say he made up for what he caused. I mean, yes, he brought the demise of trillions of lives, but he saved trillions more. He, he saved the entirety of what's left of the multiverse because of that. So I'd say this man pretty much atoned for what he caused. So I think the Watcher kind of kind of screwed Doctor Strange on this deal, but I don't know. And I, I still feel like it's he's not stable mentally after what he caused. And I feel like this isn't going to help at all. Like he seems okay with accepting the fact that he has to watch over these guys, but I'm I'm sure he's happy that he's at least, you know, not dead. You know, he didn't die. And I'm pretty sure this Doctor Strange probably can live forever. 
I don't know. I just feel like after absorbing all these beings and having all this power, I feel like he's pretty much most likely immortal at this point. Um, Because he did pretty much seclude him in like a time bubble when he was absorbing all those creatures. So why wouldn't he do the same to eventually find a way to not do this anymore? But it's just so weird. Like, Watcher, you... You dingus, like, cut my man some slack. Get get him some people. Get him some more interaction. Or at least just, you know, watch Zola and uh, Killmonger and, um, you know, just tag team it. Like, come on, man. But eh, it's whatever. All in all, I really enjoyed this finale. Uh, so much payoff and very little complaints um, other than what I said. So... Um, the writers went in, they went in really wanting to have fun. They did some great fan service and most importantly, tell a good story. And I can't wait to ponder the question, what if in the future once more? So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until the wind hits our sails yet again, I will see you in the next escape. And until then, this is AOK Radio signing off. Ooh, another chapter concludes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to help support it by leaving a rating if possible, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with others. That way more people can see it, whether it's either from you or in their suggestion feed. And if you leave a review on the show, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. But due to my podcasts being available not just on multiple platforms, but multiple countries to ensure I see a rating, uh, either send me a, an email with the subject AOK Radio or messaging me on Instagram, which is i.escape.i. So my social medias, my other social medias, I should say, and other projects like I Believe in Monsters, my short story narrations, and more are linked in the show notes below. And feel free to message me with any suggestions for future episodes. And if you ever want to be featured on one as well to talk about whatever subject, Hit me up there as well. Special shout out for Emac for uh, producing the beat. Always love you. That is used as my outro and the song featured in my EP Canvas District. The intro song used is titled The Unstoppables, produced by me. A link to all those is also in the show notes. This is AOK Radio, signing off. There is always more to seek. So, Go forth and seek it.